This is the Scottish Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Kim McAllister. Hello. Lucinda Bruscardine has changed people's lives. The inventor of genius gluten-free bread has revolutionised the category and allowed people with food allergies to eat things they thought they'd given up forever. When we first brought the bread to market, we were inundated with calls from mothers whose children weren't being bullied in the playground anymore because their pat lunch looked like everybody else's suddenly. People saying that they sit in the staff room now at work and no one questions them about their weird looking lunch, that they're eating a sandwich like everybody else. You know, that they can travel easily on a train without worrying about how they're going to eat. Uh, because bread really is at the centre of all our lives. I think we all take it for granted, but it, it is the ultimate convenience food and it's the ultimate quick fix to, to feeling hungry. So we all rely on it heavily. So when you can't eat it, it makes life really awkward. It's amazing to think when you're talking about entrepreneurs, you have taken something ubiquitous and reconstructed it. I mean, that must be the very definition of, of being a business person, right? Well, I suppose so. Um, there was a desperate need. I suppose I, I saw that there was a, a big gap there. The quality gap was enormous. Uh, the, the breads sort of 10 years ago on the market were dry and crumbly. They were very expensive, £7 for a loaf of bread. They were full of chemicals. It sounds like a chemical experiment on when you read through the ingredients deck. You didn't really trust what you're eating. It wasn't made to be enjoyed. It was made to, to sort of stay in a particular shape for nine months, which is quite often what the shelf life was of these vacuum packed products because it was a bit of a vicious circle. The supermarkets were wanting these products to last and last and last because there wasn't any demand for them. And so I could absolutely see that there would be a huge demand if the product actually tasted great. And indeed, that's what happened. And I love the story that you developed it for your son. He wasn't thriving. He was uh, very, very small. I mean, he's still quite little, but he was very small, very dry, eczemary skin, always cold, always grumpy. If he ate anything with gluten, it became quite obvious that increasingly that if he ate gluten, he would rush to the loo very quickly afterwards and have the most terrible tummy and lie on chairs, you know, holding onto his tummy saying it really hurt. So it became very, very clear what it was. And when we took him to the doctor, they said, right, we'll just take him off gluten. And literally within a week, he said, mummy, I don't feel sick anymore. You know, and he'd been feeling sick for as long as he could remember. And within two months, he put two kilos on. His skin became very soft and as, as a small boy's skin should be. Loads more energy. He wasn't complaining. He was cold any longer. I mean, he was just a totally different child. And I saw firsthand how being intolerant to something can, you know, really affect your life uh, very, very seriously. It is. It's like a poison, isn't it, when you have an allergy like that? It really just affects everything. Absolutely. And I, and I think with my background, I felt that I was probably in a very unique position to do something about it. So it wasn't just recognising the gap. It was recognising that probably I was the person to try and fill that gap with, with a great product because my background is I'm a physiologist, so I'm a scientist. So I think in quite a scientific way. I had then trained at Leeds School of Food and Wine. I'm a Michelin star chef. I was a chef in the restaurant for a year after Leeds. And I wrote a book for Leeds on the functionality of ingredients. I then wrote a book on the functionality of cooking without mainstream ingredients such as milk, gluten, nuts, soy, eggs 
in food. So I, I, I'd done all that behaviour of ingredients in food. I had that knowledge of, about sort of cooking for allergies. And I thought, my goodness, if I, if I can't do this, imagine how difficult it would be for anyone else with not having that unique skill set together to actually change the face of what gluten-free looks like. Absolutely. It was almost like a perfect storm of you have this issue, but you're also quite well equipped to deal with it. I wanted to fix things for him and our and, and bring some normality to our family life and to family meals. But I could see that if I was struggling, then there must be many other people out there struggling too. Uh, I knew that uh, 1% of the population um, struggled with celiac disease and were no doubt struggling with trying to feed themselves normally. And I knew that there were many other people who, um, who had gluten intolerances. So right from the get-go, you know, I wasn't just thinking about my family. I could see there was a greater good project to be done here. And I've always been someone that, that's wanted to do something for the greater good. And, and this just seemed to be the perfect opportunity, really, to, to do something useful. And it took you a long time to get the recipe right for that first loaf, didn't it? It did, yes. I started working on it in 2005. And I didn't actually have a commercialised loaf until 2008. Wow, that was a long time to develop one product. Yeah, well, I worked for a year and a half in my kitchen at home, broke two ovens, broke my Magimix, um, because I was making about 14 loaves of bread a day. They started looking like bricks and they gradually gained height and softness and fluffiness as, as I worked on the structure. Because when you take gluten out of, of flours or you're using gluten-free flours, you could drink the mixture when you add water to it. There's no structure at all. So that year and a half was all about creating a structure that imitated the structure of bread. And you can't just do that with a couple of ingredients. The original bread that I took to market had 14 ingredients in it to, to achieve that structure. And then once I'd worked on this at home, I approached um, a gluten-free bakery in Bathgate, so between Edinburgh and Glasgow. I knew that they were the largest gluten-free bakery in the country, and I, it was sort of fate that they were so close by. So I, I took the recipe there and said, right, can we please commercialise this? So it took another year and a half scaling my Magimix recipe up to a 200 kilo batch. So it was a long job. It was a long, complex job. That's amazing. And to, to be so focused and so motivated to keep making loaves of bread. I just I think that's amazing that you just didn't ever think, oh, this is just ridiculous. Let's do something else. <laughs> well, I think the thing was, not only was I a determined mum to make life better for my own family, but I've always been very, very interested in the functionality of ingredients. And it just seemed like the ultimate challenge, really, the holy grail to to come up with a soft, tasty loaf of gluten-free bread, you know, so I, I love a challenge and I just thought, right, I'm, you know, I'm going to work through this. And it was highly compelling. I mean, a loaf of bread is an incredibly complex object when you really start to unpick the structure of it and what the ingredients are doing in the bread. It's incredibly complex. It's a, it's, it's a whole scientific experiment in its own form. So yeah, I just became very, very interested and passionate and totally compelled by achieving a soft tasty gluten-free bread really. And how did you feel when you finally thought I've done it I've got the recipe? Well it happened in stages I'd have um, moments you know where I made a groundbreaking change I had about 12 
and you know slowly the bread starts to taste good and I knew I'd got there when uh, my son said wow mummy this is delicious can we have some more because children don't lie and you know children absolutely tell you as it is they, they have always been my chief tasters and they don't gloss over things if they don't think something's good so that was a really great moment and you know because it, the thing is when you are so close to something it's very easy to to, to get slightly deluded you know when you are developing a product it's very very important to check in with other people just to make sure you are going in the right direction so that that was great and obviously I was showing it to lots of other people too and no, it was a good feeling when we got there. <laughs> I bet the culmination of years of work and just a belief that you would do it I think it's a great story even to that point and then of course you had this wonderful meeting with Serville Gamel. I mean, was that fortuitous or was that something you'd kind of hoped would happen? Well, again, it was fate, really. I mean, there's a lot of fate in, in this story. Bill um, has a loving two boys um, that, that were at the same school as mine at the time. And his, his eldest boy was a very good friend of my celiac um, son. And it was through really them that I learned that, that Bill was also celiac. And, you know, he was asking me really throughout that three year period how I was getting on with the bread. You know, how's your bread? How's your bread? When can I try it? When can I try it? And, uh, you know, finally, once we had commercialized it and I really knew that I was confident we could make it commercially, there's no point in giving him a kitchen bait loaf. He tried it and got back to me very quickly saying, Lucinda, you know, you've got something really special here. And, you know, this, this could change my life and it could change the lives of many others. And I'd like to really help you to take this to market quickly before someone else you know, goes off with the idea. So it was a sort of a gentle introduction, really, and, and fate that, that, that I met him in the first place. And did you ever feel real pressure? Because he's obviously a, a very well-respected entrepreneur in his own right. And to think, well, someone believes in me of this calibre, that must have been quite a pressure on you as well. No, I, I didn't. I didn't feel that pressure at all. Um, I was just delighted, actually, that I had come up with something after all that time that that really was deemed as being a useful addition, you know, um, to the to the world of the world of bakery. Um, and I was just absolutely delighted that he wanted to join me in the mission to get a much better gluten-free loaf into the market and up the game of gluten-free, really, you know, transform the category. So, no, it was wonderful that, that he wanted to be involved in, in the project. And what advice did he give you? Because I suppose it's one thing having a bakery making bread and a completely other getting it into markets all over the world. The way I was going to do it on my own was to take it to market locally in Edinburgh, build up a marketing story, then to take to the retailers at some point. And he was saying, Lucinda, that's just not a good idea. You know, you've got a groundbreaking product here. People will recognise that and people will very quickly want to do it themselves. So you need a team right now around you that, that do all the stuff that you don't do really, really well to, to turn this product into a commercial entity to negotiate with the supermarkets to you know to build a really strong brand around what you've created and obviously you know that costs money and I'd like to invest to help you do that because it is it's a very expensive setting up a business and very expensive getting products you know on shelf in a supermarket it's it's a it's a massive investment so not only did he introduce me to some real experts that could help me turn my home baked loaf into you know, a commercial branded product, but also he brought money into the business to allow us to, to do it properly, really. It would have been much more sort of home-baked if I'd done it on my own. 
Mm, you, you went big quite quickly by the sound of things. And he remains your chairman, is that right? He does. He's been very involved all the way through. And I have to say what I've learned from it is you know, a bit of advice for people looking for investment is that the best thing is to take investment from people who are really passionate about what you're trying to do. Bill has absolutely been in, in for the long term. He's as passionate about this as I am. He's been an incredible support actually throughout and it's wonderful to have him as our chairman you know, today, seven years later. And you, you're you not the CEO and haven't been, I guess, I think it was 2012 that your CEO came on board. Was that a conscious decision that you wanted to remain in charge of the products and allow someone else to do that role? Yeah, I think it's very important as as an entrepreneur to really recognise your strengths and your weaknesses. I think an entrepreneur should be happy that they have talent because clearly they wouldn't have come up with their idea if they didn't have that talent and to be happy with that talent and to give all of the areas of the business that maybe you're not as strong to other people who are much stronger than you are um, because that way it's a real recipe for success. Although I've I've learned to become a people manager, much more so now, I certainly wasn't a people manager at the beginning. I'm a creative, you know, I was able to bring much more value to the business at the beginning. And really now, actually, even, you know, even now, working very, very closely with the product team, doing the ambassadorial work for the business as well. You know, obviously, this is a passion. I suppose I'm the, the heart and soul of the business. I probably am the best person to tell people the brand story. So it's been comfortable with what you bring and getting other people who are much better than you in other areas to to bring their expertise to what you're trying to do. That sounds so simple when you say it like that, but I'm sure ego must get in the way for a lot of people. You know, this is my business and I know best. It must require some humility to say, you know what, that's not actually my area of strength. Yes, I, I don't think I am. I don't think I am someone with really very much ego, actually. Um, I think I'm a very matter of fact sort of person. And I would hope that I would always be so. I think no matter how successful your business becomes, I think it's always very important to keep feet firmly on the ground and understand where you are adding most value to the business at any one time. Because when you're working in a business that is changing and growing fast, you have to be flexible and you have to change with the business and maybe change your role over time. Um, You don't sit statically in your business doing one thing all about teamwork and making sure the team together are doing what's best for the fast-growing business and how did you feel when you I assume you licensed the product for its distribution through Lutino in the states and in Canada did you feel funny about allowing someone else to make your product I don't think it was feeling funny about it. It was actually making it work, quite frankly, because um, the great thing about gluten-free bakeries, it's actually very, very difficult, (laughs) which means it's very hard for people to copy us, which is very handy. But what it does mean is when you take recipes across the world, that recipe will behave differently in each place. So that's one of the big challenges uh, we've dealt with over the last seven years. So there was a great deal of sort of recipe work uh, to be done. And then obviously the quality management, while it's being made remotely, um, is is also a big challenge. So it was more the management of the product, really, that was the worry. And in fact, Lutino did a great job. They really did. They were were great partners to work with. And to have your product in in places like Starbucks, which are, you know, brands that are known all over the world, must be quite satisfying for you too, I imagine. 
it is very satisfying and, and we are absolutely determined to increase the availability of our products, both in retail and food service in the UK and across Northern Europe. Those are our real sort of missions so that people, when they're out and about, can eat and live totally normally. You know, they know they don't need to make a packed lunch because they can just go to their local coffee shop and pick up one of our sandwiches or a roll or, you know, a, a product that we have made, which just makes their life easy, you know, and convenient. That, that's what it's all about. And you're developing lots of different products along the same line. It's not just bread. There's all sorts of things in in development. What else are you coming up with? Well, we have 22 products in the market. So we have croissant, pan au chocolat. We have crumpets, pancakes. uh, We do frozen pastry. We do frozen pies. So we have a real variety of products. We also work very, very closely on continuous improvement. So it's not just about getting lots of new products out into the market. It's about making sure that we're making those products really well. And because this is a new art and science form, you know, really gluten-free, decent gluten-free bakery has really only been around for the last six years or so. We're learning on the hoof. You know, we are completely pioneering and we're never complacent. We never feel that we've done it. So, you know, although we are, we have lots of other exciting products in the pipeline, a lot of our work is just working and working and working and reiterating what we already have out there. Did you have any idea that this is what would happen when you were working those first sort of two years on the first recipe? No, I knew there was a big hole that needed to be filled. At the time, I think because I was so busy focusing on coming up with the product, that was going to fill that gap, I think I was thinking less of what the real opportunity could look like. That's really what Bill and the people that he introduced me to were able to focus on was what does the opportunity actually really look like? And even then, the opportunity looked much smaller than it does now. You know, the awareness of the benefits of gluten-free have grown enormously over, I would say, over the last two or three years. You know, that people who are training for a marathon, for example, you know, know that it is best to cut down on wheat and turn to gluten-free products when they're training because gluten-free products are much gentler on the digestive system. Um, People feel less tired. They don't get the three o'clock slump after their sandwich at lunchtime if they turn to gluten-free bread for that sandwich. There's much more awareness of just the general benefits of a gluten-free diet and cutting down on wheat. So your motivation is is clear because you're pioneering a whole new genre and you've obviously got your children as your critique and also your reason for creating the products for them. I mean, you're a a mum. I mean, how do you balance all of this that's going on in your life? Well, just quickly, just to say that it's not just my children who critique our products. We have millions of consumers who are incredibly vocal about what they like and what they don't like and what they want us to change. And when we've got something right, we hear it from people all the time because people are so passionate about making sure they can eat normally and enjoy their their bakery products like everybody else. So so that's important. And obviously, we do a lot of consumer research and market research when we take products to market. So it's not just my children at home deciding what goes into the market. I'm sure you'll be pleased to hear that. Um, But as far as being a mum, it is tough. Uh, I'm not going to uh, pretend it's not. Um, I'm certainly not a a super mum. I've actually got a wonderful husband who really does and has picked up the pieces a lot um, in spite of, of, of his work. I mean, he works incredibly hard as well. So it's a real sort of team effort, actually. 
And I think my two elder sons in particular have a real sort of sense of ownership really over what I'm doing because it's really because of them that I'm doing it because my elder son is dairy free. And that was one of the reasons I wrote um, How to Cook for Food Allergies, which covers the dairy and the gluten. So they're both very behind what I'm doing. I think my youngest son isn't quite so interested and would far rather I was standing on the rugby pitch watching him. You know, it's a juggle. It is a juggle. And I'm lucky that I do have a lot of energy um, and I have a very supportive husband. And do you feel like you're a role model, not just for people who can't eat gluten, but also for people who want to start their own business? Well, I don't know. I suppose you'd have to tell me that. Um, I, I would hope that I've got some useful tips to share with people who are setting up a business. I feel very passionate about women um, if they have an idea, going for it. I was speaking to um, a group of women um, a couple of weeks ago and, you know, I just said to them, look, you know, if you have an idea that you think is going to change the world for the good in some way, don't just talk about it. Just get on and do it because there's nothing less fulfilling than thinking that you've got something great but just never really getting around to it. I think that can be very, very frustrating. It's about knowing that it's not going to be easy but not being put off by that and I heard a fantastic quote actually I was at a dinner not long ago and the speaker was Bertrand Picard who was the man that uh, flew around the world in a hot air balloon I think it was last year and his quote is an adventure is a crisis that you accept I think it's just brilliant and I was just telling them that you know don't be afraid to start that adventure. You will have crises on the way, but those crises will make you stronger and make your business stronger. So, so I'm sure there's lots of things I can do to help get women inspired. But, but when it comes down to it, it is down to them and their families um, supporting them to make it work. And also being in Edinburgh and being in Scotland, has that been a unique situation for you? Do you feel like the same story would have played out elsewhere at all? I think Scotland has been very kind to me, actually. You can tell I'm not Scottish. Um, I'm, I'm from the southeast of England. I think the fact that the community up here is little, uh, it's a small community. Uh, the business community is incredibly supportive of each other. Um, I think it's very easy up here to meet people with huge experience and, and success behind them when you might only just be starting out in a way that it probably wouldn't be so possible in the South. I think it's much easier to meet people. And I think the Scots really celebrate success. They really want uh, business in Scotland to thrive. And I've just been bowled over, actually, I have to say, over the last decade with the support I've received from pillars of the community, the business community up here. Mm, that's really good to hear. I feel proud as a Scot that something so life changing has originated in, in Edinburgh. I think it's a wonderful story, considering you're now available, well, pretty much across the world. Is there any territories that you don't have access to at the moment? Well, we, we need to focus. The problem with, with us is that the opportunity is so enormous that in the past we've been guilty of not focusing enough and trying to do everything. So at the moment we are very much focusing on increasing distribution and availability in Northern Europe. That's our absolute focus because um, great gluten-free products are desperately needed there. The Europeans love their bread and the gluten-free alternatives are 
probably about five years behind where we are in the UK. So th there's a lot to do to make that better for all those consumers there. Uh, we are in Australia as well. Uh, we have a, a great business down in Australia. We're in the Middle East in a small way and in America in a very small way, but, but really focuses everything because obviously while we're expanding into other parts of the world, we, we must keep our consumers happy in the UK too. You know, after all, that's where the business started. Do you feel like you've really created a community around what you're doing? Yes, I think so. I think we've got... 30 or 40,000 people subscribe to our newsletter, our monthly newsletter on our website. So there is, there's a burgeoning uh, genius community. Um, but I think the wider gluten-free community are absolutely watching every move we make as a business, scanning online and on the shelves for, for new products that will make their life better. So it is, it's a very active community. And I think the lifestylers, people who aren't gluten-free but know it makes them feel better they are very much coming into the community too which is great so do you have a kind of a philosophy that's driving you or maybe an end goal that you're striving towards uh, well I think the philosophy as far as our products go is that we don't benchmark our gluten-free development against other gluten-free products we benchmark against mainstream best-in-class products I want to see all of our products as good or better than the mainstream alternative, because then we really are normalising people's lives. There's no sacrifice to, to turning to a gluten-free option. So that's what we do. We take a lot of time to develop our products. Some of our products take two years even now to develop and to get out the door because it's such a difficult thing to do. And we're not prepared to put products in the market that aren't you know, up to scratch, although sometimes we do have big quality issues because it is very hard to make. But we always, the sentiment is we will only put a product into the market when it's as good or better than mainstream. I think going forward, uh, we will really have done a great job when the availability of our products is as good as as any other mainstream brand, both in the UK and around the world, both in retail and food service. I think it would also be great over time to, the, the more we make, uh, it'll become more possible for us to reduce our prices too because gluten-free is more expensive. But, you know, we will be able to do that once we are a serious sort of automated big plant bakery. And so we're on the way to, to sort that. Excellent. And just one final question. What stories have you heard that have really stuck with you about people who've discovered your product and, and benefited from it? I don't think I will ever forget, you know, as I mentioned earlier, that the mother ringing me to say her little boy wasn't being bullied in the playground anymore. I mean, that was a really, really touching conversation. And I think just hearing that people have had their first chip butty in 50 years, you know, it's just those really simple pleasures that our products give back to people. What better motivation can there be for growing your own business to global success? For more inspiring stories of Scottish entrepreneurs, go to scottishentrepreneur.com.